recorded during the Plague Year 2021. This is the Andromeda Minute, a show where Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays we go over Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your co-host for the week, uh, graphic novelist Brian Fees, author of books like A Fire Story, Mom's Cancer, and Whatever Happened to the World of Tomorrow. And Brian, we are. This is this is the this is the they've taken the shotgun down off the off the mantelpiece, and we're about to get the thing that they've been talking about the whole the whole uh, length of this. You know, I mean, the, the Andromeda Strain was secondary. What we wanted to they could have called the movie Mark Hall climbs a, uh, a ladder, but. Uh, <laughs> This is what it's all been building up to. Well, this is just such uh, serendipity for me. You have no idea. When when I uh, watched this movie when it first came out, because you and I are both that old, this was the scene. This very minute is the one that stuck with me and that I just loved. I can't even explain why I love it, although I'm going to try in this as we talk about it. But uh, when you asked me to do this minute, I just, uh, if I could turn handsprings, I would have turned handsprings <laughs> because I love this minute. So we're going to get into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's there's so much going on. Uh, just from a technical point of view, this is one of my favorite edited minutes. There's so many little pieces dropped in here. Some of the edits are going on that are only lasting two or three seconds, but they're solving a lot of uh, production uh, problems, production costs, actually. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let me just start, start by saying this starts up with... Uh, Hall and Stone are trying to figure out how to get into the central core. So, uh, so Hall asks Stone, uh, uh, "How do I get in the core to get up to you know turn turn off the nuclear bomb?" And he says, "Well, you got to go through that service port that's on the other side of uh, the uh, the exam room there." And uh, we're going to get down to uh, the, the, the. So we go from that point where he's explaining the, how to get in the tunnel, and the minute will end with him getting into the tunnel. So everything that happens in between is just. Uh, we're uh, we're saying goodbye to uh, a, a couple of cast members, and uh, you know, and it's just everything's happening, and all all in the middle of a a beautiful ticking clock trope. Yep, I guess it makes sense to put a uh, an access port in the back end of uh, the super duper clean room you've got. I I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, on the other side of a glove box, because uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, now I I've been waiting the entire movie to ask this question. They are not now. He's cutting through. We're, we're getting to the part where he's going to have to cut off the uh, the spacesuit and go in with the patients, the two patients there that they have been completely isolated from. Uh, because they, and the reason they were isolated from them was they were worried that they were contagious. Yep. Now we have seen them kill a rat, a bunny, a rhesus monkey in the other room in front of a satellite. Couldn't they walk a rat into this room, open up the box, and see if the thing dropped dead? Well, I, it's a ticking clock, Jim. They yeah. got, they, that would take time. Yeah, I just—it it just to me, it's like okay, it didn't kill the rat. Maybe we'll, and you know, try it with a rhesus monkey. Try it, you know, if they're not if they're not dying, then these guys aren't contagious anymore. Just but, work you know, your way up the evolutionary chain. Uh, exactly. we'll, we'll we'll start with the goldfish. Yes. Yeah, see, see see what's happening with these paramecium's and. Uh, yeah, it's it's just um, I, I, that's always, but then again, we wouldn't have a movie like this, so I, I shouldn't ask those questions. But it, that's just the thing that's bothered me up to this moment, where suddenly they're not that contagious. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, I, I did not review the previous two or three minutes, but haven't they established uh, by this point that the the germ had evolved and was no longer in the blood solid solidifying business? Right. Yeah, and it's 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 mutated, and apparently. All of it's mutated. I mean, there is no, you know, generation oh, that's right. zero. 
It's like, <laughs> That's let's right. stop eating people and we'll go, we'll go attack uh, rubber-like uh, plastic. Well, that's and, a really good point. You think back in some corner somewhere, there'd just be this little, uh, you know, colony of viruses hanging out saying, oh, you know what, I'm, I don't want to evolve today. I don't want to <laughs> mutate. No. Yeah, no. it's just, it's, it's, very, it, it's very bizarre. But, you know, then again, it, it wouldn't service the movie. Um, so you, we, you make a good point, though. They wouldn't all mutate at exactly the same moment. Or maybe they would. I don't know. Um, you know, ice all melts at the same temperature. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe they just they just all decided they up and you know this is the end of the uh, Eocene period for them, and they're going you know they're going on to the, the next level of evolution. It's from space, Jim. Yeah, it's this space is space evolution's a little differently, and you know things we don't know how things work differently in space, as uh, Doctor Stone pointed out to us previously in an earlier episode. That was that was one of my minutes. We had a long discussion about that, about how the rules of physics are totally different in space. So yeah, so apparently biology too. Who knew? Yes. Uh, wow. But uh, we we get he uh, Hall is going to go in, and since they don't have something like a, a hatch on their side, they have to. The only way to get in is to cut off the the spacesuit that he's had. All right, and now this is the moment. This is why I was so excited. And and um, I love when uh, when Karen has to cut him out of the suit. Um, first of all, because he's just, she, he's, she's trying to save the, the you know, the the uh, base, and he's just rude to her. He, Come on, hurry up. Now, <laughs> ticking clock, sure, but he could be a little more nice about it. But I think um, I just, that vision of of her cutting him out of the suit, uh, strikes me because it's um, Hall having to break the rules and improvise this. You yeah. know, this, there's no, this was never in any procedure book. This was not an SOP. He has to fly by the seat of his pants, and the way he's going to do this is to do exactly the thing that the room is designed not to allow, is to break the seal, cut himself out of the suit. And I was thinking about that this morning before we talked, and it reminded me a little bit about, of, of, um, uh, Dave Bowman in 2001 um, blasting himself through the vacuum of space without his helmet. Yeah, not exactly. supposed to work, but it's human. It's humanity. It's human ingenuity in a in a dire situation, flying by the seat of his pants, saying, "I got no other option. This is what I'm going to try, and darned if it doesn't work." Yeah, it, it's funny. We're both on the same on the same track on this. The cinematic uh, equivalent I was thinking of, which was going on in real life at the time, was Apollo thirteen. I was thinking about sure. in the mo in the movie Apollo thirteen, where they had they had a problem where the uh, cylindrical uh, oxygen canisters didn't fit in the square shaped lem canisters, and the first step that they had to do to repair all that was to rip the cover off the uh, the, the, the service manual. <laughs> For the lunar module, and it was like you know, it's very uh, effective uh, symbiology. But uh, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. He had to turn the tables on what was going on here. They had to not follow protocol to fix the bad protocol. Had to break the rules. It's it's almost a very Captain Kirk kind of move, you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, we're watching. Uh, uh, just something to note: the next time you're watching this in extreme slow motion, and you get up to minute one twenty four. Watch when the baby turns from a real baby to a doll baby and then back to a real baby. That's, I was that's looking like, at that. I watched yeah. that very carefully. It's like the, the posture of its arm changes in, you know, a hundredth of a second from, yeah. from doll to, to kid. Yeah, it, it picks up the other the other arm, but uh, but it's invisible. I mean, Robert Wise had a great sense of what to shoot and how to cover for it. And you knew they'd only get one take with cutting that 
very expensive bit of uh, plastic. They weren't going to like, Let, let's reshoot that. We'll, we'll put another sheet on you to, to tear it off. So you can watch the one scene where he, you know, he, he does the thing where he's telling her to cut it off and they do a, a very slight jump cut after, uh, after she hands off the baby. Yep. Uh, you'll see the jump cut where she does the actual cutting. Yep. And, and uh, well, there's the scene where she does the actual cutting, which um, I, I thought was uh, realistically clumsy. I mean, it seems to yeah. me they did not give her a real scalpel. She was working with something duller than a scalpel to get through that. So kudos to the actress for chopping her way through that hefty bag. Um, yeah. And then, but but they, well, she's about maybe, I don't know, a quarter of the way around the thing. And then they cut to Hall climbing out of it. And yeah. um, it's a great cut. It's wonderful. It works. You know, it, it saves... It, it makes the point. You follow it. You don't think about it. Yeah, and yeah, it's completely. You know, and it goes right through. It's all smooth. It's all um, it just very easy. Now, there's something that comes on right after, and this is all very, you know, the pruder like. You have to sit and, and uh, kind of look at the freeze frames. What is the, what is that box in the corner? The large steel box with a hole in it that looks like it looks like something like a pass through. I'm wondering if it's like an elevator or something that they deliver things in and out of that room. Oh, I didn't even see it. Like maybe a, a sterile dumbwaiter or something. Yeah, yeah. It's just maybe that's where the rhesus monkeys come. In, if they ever thought of, <laughs> oh, we'll just bring the monkey in that way. The monkey port. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we uh, unfortunately here we get to say goodbye to uh, you know everybody's favorite sterno drinker George Mitchell. Um, he was who, wonderful in this movie. He, he's great. He sold it so well, and you know this is this is his final performance. He passed away. Uh, actually, he passed away before this movie premiered. Uh, but he just does a. He's a great job. He's an old western actor. He'd been you know a million uh, odors as the uh, the crossword puzzles call it. But he's he's, a, a, he's always like the sheriff or the deputy or the one of the bad guys. But he uh, he just he comes across with that line delivered so well. You ain't gonna leave us here, are you? Yeah, it's kind of out of left field, but yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Yes, I'm, I'm yeah. going away. <laughs> like, what, what, what's he going to do with you? Take you with him? I don't know. You want to uh, go shot by, shot by lasers? <laughs> it's, I mean, who knows? He might be good in a fight. You never, you know, it, uh, it, it's, and gosh, the stuff that, uh, the stuff that Jackson has gone through in this movie, uh, one of the things, you know, he, he saw his whole town died. He was, you know, he was coughing up blood, drinking Sterno. He gets in here, and one of the things that they mention in passing that uh, Doctor Hall uh, orders up a cold water lavage, yes. which which is they stick basically stick a hose down your nose and run cold water until it comes back up. Uh, it, it's you know he's not had a good time in uh, in wildfire in general. Well, he brought a real humanity to the role, and I think uh, what he also serves is uh, sort of an audience proxy of. The guy who'd show up there and just say, "I don't know what the hell's going on here." You know, I, I I might as well be on a spaceship for all I can tell. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very peculiar, and I just wonder what kind of small talk that he had with uh, with uh, Karen Anson there. He uh, he seemed to get along with her pretty good, and they both they both seemed to be mutually taking care of the baby. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I like that moment when she just uh, has to cut him, cut Hall out of the suit, and just hands the baby to uh, you know Mr. Sterno Drinker, who <laughs> she she would not have trusted a couple of days ago. But now True. it's like, here, hold this, hold this human being for me. Yeah, be useful. I, I, here. Like, I think that speaks to that kind of relationship as you're talking about. They've they've sort of grown to like and trust each other a bit. Yeah, and they're—I mean—they're secondary characters, but they really flesh them out in only a, a few scenes that, that they have together. They really their interplay is very nice. Yeah, um, and I, I just in general I like Karen a lot in this movie because she's yeah. she's professional, she's uh, 
supportive. She's not afraid to kind of stand her ground when she has to. I, I think she's just a, a very nice, uh, I, I was going to say secondary, maybe even tertiary character, but um, you know, the, the writing and the actress, I think, just really brought her to, to life as well. Yeah, we saw, uh, la- was it last week? Sometime earlier, last either last week or the week before, uh, she was the one that brought the, um, uh, this, not scopolamine, but uh, she brought a sedative uh, when uh, Levitt had her uh, epileptic attack. And uh, she was the only one that came forward when the other when the other uh, wildfire team ran you know ran down the hall. So she shows a certain kind of spunk and uh, self self reliance that it's it's just nice to see in this film. And she, it's weird that as it like you said she was a tertiary character, but she seems to be one of the most fleshed out characters. I think. Yeah. Well, and we also we we talk about this probably in every single minute I've ever done with you on any podcast, but. Um, I, we talked last time about competence porn, and I think Karen is a great example of a. Uh, this whole movie is competence porn, by which I mean we're seeing a movie uh, about I people who are the them. best in the world at their jobs solving a problem together, and she's she's a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and she she comes across very, uh, yeah, like you said, very competent. And uh, she gives as well as she gets. I, I do yep. appreciate having a lot. There's a lot of strong characters in this, and she is one. She is one of the stronger characters, and you know, and, and sadly, one of the one of the two uh, uh, female characters with speaking roles. Well, and uh, to to that point, I was just going to say it's it's no accident that at the time this movie was made that they cast a black black actress in the role either. I think that's um, you know somebody was trying to make a small point, and I think they made it well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're uh, we're coming up to the at, at the end of this minute. Uh, we I I do like the fact that I mean they're they're following continuity very well. The uh, the discussion that they had in in Utah when the when the plane crashed in Utah was that there was a loss of polychron. Uh, that's the uh, that's the uh, human skin like plastic substance that they've replaced uh, rubber with, yep. and everything made out of polychron on the on the Starfighter had fallen apart. Or the Phantom Phantom Jet, and then uh, there's another. I think uh, Stone has a throwaway line saying that uh, that everything is sealed with Polychron. Uh, last week they, he talked about that, and now as Hall is opening the door, where that rubber gasket would be on the hatch, we watch it falling apart like you know dried rubber bands. Yeah, at 53 and, seconds, and and that's that's my other big note for this minute is I. I in all the times I've seen this movie, I never caught that until you sent me the shooting script for oh, the okay. preparation for this minute. And it says in the script that, uh, you know, the, the seal decays. I never saw that. It's a, I think it's a pretty subtle detail. But as Hall opens that, that door and starts to go through it, this, this black crud just crumbles around it. And it's, it's very affecting. I, I wish it were a little more obvious so that the, the viewer, the casual viewer like myself might catch it. But um, this, this, seal crumbling i think is very chilling it's terrific it, it's it heightens the jeopardy i think it tells the viewer that this organism is in the room you know yeah it's not just yeah. out there somewhere it's not just down in the lab it's everywhere it surrounds us it's it's in this it's infiltrated this entire facility even this top secret thermos sealed door i'm going at has been compromised because of it i think it's a terrific detail yeah, it's it's nice, and you know, kudos to the set designer for thinking of putting that in. I mean, they could just as easily have left it out and just had a steel rim over there, but uh, just adding that little that little detail. Just as you re- it, it 
adds to the rewatchability. Like you said, you find something new even 50 years after the first time you've seen this. Yeah, so, please, you know, listeners to this podcast, look for that detail because I think it's just, it's uh, it's tremendous. Very yeah, smart. Yeah. And I, I still get this feeling as I've been watching, and I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times before on the show, it feels like they wrote this minute by minute because it's so clean where the minute ends. It's like, and he's going into the tunnel and we go on to the next scene. And this is this is how this minute just happens to cut right at right at second 59. We, we are in the tunnel and we're going to go on to a whole new scene on on Wednesday. So it's just a, a fascinating. I, I don't know how they blocked it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming that it was storyboarded. But if the storyboards were done by blocks, we're going to do a minute of this, a minute of that. They really have been hitting their marks every single time. Yeah, it's got an interesting rhythm to it. I, I think the earlier parts of the movie are are what modern viewers might consider a little slow um, or b- uh, ponderous. But uh, but these action parts, as as the siren blares and the red lights flash, and we got to move, move, move. I think they just clip along at this terrific rhythm, and I, I'm certain it wasn't deliberate. Robert Wisen's not sitting there with a stopwatch, but it it's got this feel of um, propulsive you know, movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And uh, we're gonna, you know, as, as we go on to the next two days, even though the actions might not be as dramatic as the, you know, as the music and the editing is making it, the music and the editing pushes you along and makes you feel every second going on. I mean, between the, the, well, we'll talk about that more on Wednesday, but the, you know, just, just so many elements making this thing, making your heart race, I think is, is the, the next exciting bit. Yeah, and and the, I don't think it's any accident that the blaring klaxion is pretty much uh, at the same rate as a pulse, you know, a, a human yeah. heart pulse going. Oh, for we'll, sure, yeah. We'll talk next minute about how slowly Hall climbs ladders. <laughs> yes, okay. we're we're on the same page with this. Wow. Well, um, Brian, thanks again for being on the show this week. Uh, I know you know, I've I've enjoyed your creative work in so many different forms. Um, and I know you have some new things uh, out right now, including an update to uh, one of your one of your greatest works uh, about a fire story in uh, in Northern California. Let's talk a little bit about that. Oh well, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, uh, my publisher Abrams is uh, uh, releasing this spring a, an updated version, updated and expanded version of a fire story, which is the true story of my house being destroyed in the 2017 California wildfires. So. I took the opportunity between the hardcover and the paperback to uh, add 32 new pages of content about our lives since the hardcover came out in uh, 2019. And uh, so it's about rebuilding, dealing with insurance, uh, dealing with our own feelings of having survived this disaster and possibly facing a a, a second disaster that uh, threatened us. So uh, thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a terrifying but hopeful story, and I it, it's always like this movie. It's, it's always worth a reread. So I'm I'm really glad glad that it's out there. I'm sorry I'm sorry it happened to you, but you you did manage. To, uh, it's it's a great story, well told. Thanks um, so much. Wow. Well, uh, we will come back here on Wednesday and uh, and chat some more about uh, poor Doctor Hall, who isn't. It, <laughs> He's, he's really, as you said, he's really bad at, at elevating himself on a ladder. But uh, we'll, we'll watch all that uh, excitement on Wednesday. Uh, so in the meantime, while you're waiting for Wednesday to roll around, uh, do the three things we always talk about uh, that will help us get out of this plague ASAP. Uh, please uh, stay six feet apart from people you don't live with. Uh, wash your hands for at least 20 seconds and uh, wear a mask. Wearing a mask uh, always helps. It's, it, if, if anything, it's not polite to cough on people. So put a mask on. And <laughs> it's, it's probably one of the politest things you 
you can do and also help save lives. But anyway, we'll see you here next time on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.